the Word of God before us this morning is that gospel reading. I invite you to have your um, bulletin turned there. It's really the third page. We will be kind of making reference uh, throughout this time of going back in here to God's Word. As we get started this morning, though, let me ask you a question that has a profound impact on our understanding of this Word of God and really of our whole entire lives. The question is this, do you have to have your life together? Do you have to attain to some level of, quote, getting your act together before you go to church? Now, I think the vast majority of us would probably say, well, of course not. You know, the church is for sinners. The, the church is for those who, who know that they have erred and have sinned and needs God, need God's grace, right? We'd all say that. But let me challenge us with something. I'm going to take a venture and guess that this morning, the conversations you have had with your family and friends sitting here in church or gathering first out in the fellowship hall, I venture to guess that your conversations have in no way revealed that you're a sinner or that you've got problems. You've been probably saying things like, yeah, family's doing great, or the job, man, it's going well, or yeah, there's... Life is good. When the truth is probably a bit different. Can you believe how I yelled and screamed at my kids this week? You know, my marriage, man. I need you to pray. Or the job? It's hanging by a thread. I don't know what's going to happen next. I would challenge us that there's probably more truth in that latter group of statements than there is in that first group of statements. So if we say that you don't have to be perfect to come to church, that you don't have to, quote, get your act together before you get into the house of God, Let's make sure that we welcome and encourage each other in that truth. Because in the midst of this life, Jesus says something profound. Blessed are you. The Beatitudes that form here the beginning of Matthew chapter 5. If you are a student of the Bible, you may remember that Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7, that's all what we call the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus, just a continuous speaking and uh, helping refocus and reshape and understanding and giving clarity to all of the Old Testament, all the revealed Word of God up until that time. And it begins with these Beatitudes. Now, I'm going to caution you here, and I'm going to tell you something that will probably make you think, I think of myself as an old geezer, all right? And that is this. 
in all of this world of technology and all this world of smartphones and YouTube and internet and computers and all that stuff, we have lost the ability to imagine with our mind. We have lost the ability to kind of think outside the box. About 20 years ago, in a monastery in Minnesota, St. John's Abbey, commissioned the very first, and they were saying since the invention of the printing press, not quite sure that's the case, but their claim was that for the first time in a long time, they were commissioning a handwritten copy of God's Word. And like many copies of the Word of God from centuries ago, it was an illumined um, version of the Word of God. And here is a picture from the page where the Beatitudes are. It's a page where you can clearly see the letters spelling out the actual print and the wording of blessed are the poor in spirit and so forth. But do you notice what's on the right side there? It's chaos. Letters strewn all over the place. Here's a close-up picture of it. You can see how the, the actual print of the Beatitudes is so beautiful and ornate. And in the midst of that ornateness, in the midst of that beauty, chaos. I love that picture because that is an accurate picture of what is really going on in our lives. It's not about us pretending, oh, things are going great. Ah, couldn't be better. Yeah, family's great. No problems anywhere. In the midst of heartache, in the midst of brokenness, in the midst of pain and problems, there is the word of God. There is the message. Blessed are you. Now, let's take a little bit of a deeper look here into this Word of God. The Beatitudes, the, the fancy name Beatitudes, just simply comes from that word that is repeated nine different times, blessed. A statement of, we are blessed because of, or blessed through. And there's a powerful reality here, the power of the word of God. The power of God's word that says, when God says something, it's not a suggestion. It's not something that God might get around to it somewhere down the road in the future. This has the power of the word of God. This is God's power. God says, you and I are blessed, and bingo, blessed we are. The apostle Paul was picking up on that in that reading in 1 John chapter 3, where John says, see what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be, what? Called children of God. And so we are. 
God calls us his children and we are. God says, blessed are you and we are. This isn't a, oh, let's just ignore everything that's going on around us and focus on the positive. This is Jesus Christ here in our lives. For the power of the word is the power of the Savior. The power of the Savior who is there. The word made flesh, John chapter 1 calls Jesus. And so the word made flesh knows a thing or two about the word of God and God's power. Now, when we look at the Beatitudes here, it's a fun thing to look with me here in Matthew chapter 5. There are either eight or nine Beatitudes, depending on how you count them, because there could be a little bit of debate about the ninth Beatitude, verse 11. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and other, other, utter all kinds of evil against you. False in my account, rejoice and be glad, for reward is great in heaven. Okay, for so they persecuted the prophets before you. It's not quite in the same pattern as the other eight. But if you look at Beatitudes 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, there's something unique about them. Okay? Follow along with me. Um, verse 4, the second Beatitude. Blessed are those who mourn, they shall be comforted. The meek shall inherit the earth. Those who hunger and thirst for righteousness shall be satisfied. The merciful shall receive mercy. The pure in heart shall see God. The peacemakers, they shall be called sons of God. If you're getting down the nitty gritties of the English language, those are all reflecting the original language of the New Testament. Future tense. It's a promise where Jesus Christ says, you know, where we are right now, this isn't the final destination. The problems, the struggles, the, the difficulties, the challenges that we have now are not the final answer. There is a final answer yet coming. And oh, is it beautiful. Oh, is it gracious. It's so powerful and so great that we can say, we are blessed by God. There's something else that struck me this week. I have read the Beatitudes a number of times. I have preached on it before. But this week, there's a couple of these things that just really struck me. Maybe I haven't been paying attention enough other times. I don't know. But... I pointed out Beatitudes 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, all future tense. But let's look at the first Beatitude and the eighth Beatitude. There's two really important things to note. Beatitude number one, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Or the eighth Beatitude, verse 10, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Notice it's actually a repetition, the second part. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. 
And since I've already pointed out the future tense of the other six, these are present tense. Right now. Right now, you and I are blessed because the kingdom of heaven is ours. This isn't something that God is saying, oh, just hang on a second, it's coming. No, it's here and now. The kingdom of heaven is Matthew's way of using the phrase in Mark and Luke and John of kingdom of God, which simply means the reign and the rule of Jesus Christ. That Jesus Christ is in charge. Jesus Christ is reigning and ruling in our lives. And he does it in a very unique way. Because this reign and rule of Jesus Christ, it is seen nowhere else more clearly. Nowhere else more lovingly. And even nowhere else more powerfully than in the cross on Calvary's hill, than in the empty tomb of the resurrection, there is the reign of God in Jesus Christ. And that's not just something coming up to us in the future. It is here now. It is ours. Oh, are we blessed? The reign of Jesus Christ is here in our lives now. Forgiving our sin. Giving us strength where we have felt weak. Giving us a focus and a hope where we have felt so weak to go on. There's one more thing here in these Beatitudes. By the way, sometime, if you want to dig into Scripture a little bit more, um, Jesus probably has in mind as he gives these Beatitudes, very likely Psalm 73 in the Old Testament. Or also, since we read from Revelation today, the book of Revelation itself, uh, there are seven Beatitudes throughout uh, the entire book. Blessed are, so forth, they're Beautiful, wonderful things. You've got to look at them. But there is a searching question that we, we need to answer. If you look in verse 1 of Matthew 5, there are two different groups of people. Follow along with me again in verse 1. Seeing the crowds, group number 1, Jesus went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. Disciples, group number two. Now, certainly, the disciples are part of the greater group, the crowds. But not everyone in the crowds is a disciple of Jesus. So which group, which category fits you and me? 
Are we in the crowd? Are we part of the group that's just kind of uh, hanging out with Jesus? He's kind of popular. We read through the Gospels, and there's lots of times where um, there are great crowds around Jesus. He was happening. He was the guy. Are we with Jesus just when the going is going well? When the kids are behaving, when the marriage looks good, when the job forecast is fantastic? Or are we a disciple? One who has a relationship with Jesus Christ. One who seeks to to grow in this relationship with Jesus Christ. One who seeks to be more like Christ and less like the sin that so often identifies us. If you worry and struggle to know and rejoice that we are in the group of disciples, then take to heart the word of Jesus. Blessed are you. Blessed are you. Because Jesus Christ reigns and rules in our lives. Jesus is here. Jesus is guiding and directing us. Jesus is lavishing us with his love and grace. And we can recognize the word of Jesus is true. Blessed are you. In the name of Jesus, amen. And now the peace of God which surpasses all understanding, keep your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus. Amen.